On today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, we bring in Jack Bushman of Locked On Chicago Blackhawks to discuss. We discuss the four stages of the rebuild. Of course, the Florida Panthers and the Chicago Blackhawks are in two different places, so we discuss and compare and contrast the stages of building a championship contender. We also talk about the beef that's going on with the Kyles in uh, in Toronto and in Chicago from the GM meeting. And we also talk about where each team is after the trade deadline, all on today's episode of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this crossover edition of Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On Chicago Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On Chicago Blackhawks podcast your first listens of the day. For everyone on the Chicago Blackhawks feed, let me introduce myself. My name is Armando Velez. Uh, I'm the host of Locked On Panthers and from PantherParkway.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at MondoMan12. And very thankful once again to be linking up with my my good friend and anyone who's heard me on this show uh, since I started uh, has heard uh, this person's voice plenty of times on the podcast. So uh, great to be linking up with my friend and Chicago native uh, Jack Bushman, host of Lockdown Blackhawks. Jack, how are you doing, man? Armando, I'm doing well, buddy. Um, the Blackhawks are on a little bit of a skid right now, but... Uh, Honestly, it's kind of felt like that for the entire season. So kind of the same-ish, different day, if you know what I mean. Mm. And sometimes when you're going through the lulls of a of a uh, tough season, sometimes um, just inching closer and closer to like the finish whenever a season is not going your way. So I, I could definitely imagine uh, your, your, your feeling towards that. So, so people listening, so people wa- watching this on the YouTube. Um, so, on on this uh on this day it was supposed to be opening day for baseball so people watching on the youtube feed i have my marlins uh polo and he's got jack has got his chicago cubs hockey jersey so it's pretty pretty cool a uh, little aesthetic uh there when when it comes to the jersey pretty cool man i got to get got to get some type of marlins hockey jersey for myself yeah i don't know where they sell these or what not i got it as a christmas gift a few years back i really don't wear it all that often but when i do it always puts a good smile on my face i absolutely love it the color pops too i love the cubs logo unfortunately my boy chris bryant's no longer around but uh, i'm going to keep repping this jersey until i can anymore basically mm. My Marlins jersey that I have has no name on the back. And because the the amount of turnover there is on the team, historically, it's a smart idea to get no name on the back. So, I was just about to say that's that's probably a safe bet given how the Marlins have been going the last few years. Although they did get the best of my Chicago Cubs in that uh wild card play-in game a couple years ago, which is still giving you, me nightmares. You mean the you mean the COVID season that doesn't really count <laughs> because if they actually uh if they actually played a regular season, they wouldn't have made the playoffs, you mean? Yes, that's what I mean. Okay, okay. So I, I tell people that all the time, and people kind of roll their eyes, but it's the truth. But let's let's talk about let's talk about some hockey uh here for uh 
for for this part of the podcast enough about the baseball but hey opening days in a few weeks with the lockout being being over but hey um so um Florida Panthers and Chicago Blackhawks will be uh, playing their second game of this uh, season series after, of course, they played against each other eight times uh, last <laughs> year. So first thing I wanted to get to first is the conversation about the Kyles, uh, Kyle Davison uh, um, for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, so the GM meetings are currently going on in uh, South Florida right now. And of course, the whole drama between the two Kyles uh, in Toronto and Chicago um, I was li- I was listening to the Athletic today, and they were talking about how Kyle Davidson like kind of came out and talked about kind of the leaks that happened uh, between the whole Mark Andre Fleury uh, trade uh, with Toronto and him not wanting to go there. Leaks were coming out of Chicago, and then I saw something saying that Kyle Davidson was actually kind of apologizing for some of the rumors that got out there. I mean, I get he's a new GM, and he's uh, this is the first time doing it. I mean, he's been with the organization since their second. Uh, cup run of the three from what i saw but do you think that's worthy of an of an apology out in public when it comes to uh trade rumors based on the recent trade deadline honestly i I thought this whole thing kind of got blown out of proportion i will give you know some kudos to kyle davidson for addressing this in the gm meetings uh i don't know like i I don't, I didn't personally read anything that said he apologized. Maybe that's out there and I just haven't read it yet. I don't know if he did that. Um, but assuming he did, I think that was just him kind of taking the high road. You know, he's a new general manager in this league. He doesn't want to get off on the wrong foot with anybody. Um, but as for that news kind of getting leaked, I don't really know if it was Kyle Davidson who was the one who leaked it. Like I saw it from a bunch of, uh, news sources. I think Frank Saravalli tweeted it out originally, and I saw it from a couple Blackhawks accounts as well. So I, I don't know if Kyle Davidson even leaked that sort of information or how that kind of came about and how the world became aware of that situation and all of it. But yeah, I thought it was kind of uh, a little overblown. I was really mostly kind of miffed with Kyle Dubas going on the air and like being like, Oh, that's a question you're going to have to ask Kyle Davidson. I was like, dude, like this isn't all that serious. Like you didn't get the the goaltender that you wanted. And now people know, like, is that, I mean, maybe that's going to be a little bit of a detriment to your goaltender department when they think, you know, Oh, maybe our general manager doesn't think we're good enough. He's going to have to bring someone else in but at the same time, Peter Mrazek got put on waivers. Like I think the next day. So like, I don't know. Me personally, I thought it was a little bit overblown. I, I do think um, Kyle Davidson probably just took the high road and if he did apologize. Um, but I was glad to see that he kind of addressed that in the GM meetings. It wasn't something that he was going to kind of let lurk. I think he wanted to get it out of the way. Um, and from what I read, I think the Kyles have, have made amends there. But it definitely made for a funny situation. I don't know if you saw the clip. Um, the Blackhawks were playing, I want to say it might have been the Ducks? Yeah, it was the Anaheim Ducks. They were playing them on TNT. And uh it was Anson Carter who's on the TNT uh broadcast team. He asked Patrick Kane before before the matchup who he thought would win in a fight, Kyle Dubas or Kyle Davidson. <laughs> it was just a super funny moment. So oh my God. Uh, honestly, I do think moments like that are like kind of good for the sport, whether or yeah, not it's actually good. like a real situation or not. Fans are definitely intrigued by that kind of stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I didn't think it was anything too serious. And, um, honestly, I think moving forward, we're, we're probably not going to hear too much more about that situation, but it definitely was a bit funny. Mm. Like you said, they made amends. So maybe we might see a, uh, 
Hawks uh, Leafs trade in the future. It's like, okay, then that was not a, a big deal at all. So uh, the one thing we talked about pre-recording um, that I want to also mention on the on the podcast, uh, I did not watch a single second of the Hawks uh, Sabres game, but I did see the highlight <laughs> at the very end of the puck bouncing off the skate of Lincoln and after uh, bouncing off the boards. How 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 is that moment like? I want I want to hear it from you for the locked on uh, Panthers feed. Uh. Yeah, it was tough, man. I was in attendance at the United Center for that game. It was a very fun uh, atmosphere for about thirty minutes there. Um, but yeah, I was literally like seven rows back of Kevin Lankin and watching him kick that puck. And it was probably the worst game-winning goal that's ever been scored. Like it was Tage Thompson tries to blast a one-timer, his stick snaps in half. And of course, it just hits that perfect angle off the end boards where it bounces right to the front of the net. Lankin, honestly, he was way out of position on that play. He was far too, he was way too far out of his net, got a little bit scrambly, which is something that he's been guilty of far too many times this season, losing his net, not being in the right position. Um, and just to watch him kick that in, I mean, uh, it, it really kind of summed up the Blackhawks entire season, right? Putting the puck into their own net, doing themselves no favors in crunch times of games. Not only did they blow uh, a four nothing lead in that one to Buffalo, but also in their meeting on Saturday against the Vegas Golden Knights, they were in control of that game up three to nothing after 40 minutes. And we were like, Oh my gosh, Blackhawks look great. They're taking it to a desperate Vegas Golden Knights team. That's really trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. And then literally in the blink of an eye, not even four minutes into the third period, the game's time that tied up three to three and the Blackhawks wind up losing five to four in overtime. But Armando, that's really been the story of the season for the Chicago Blackhawks. They have flashes, which I think we're going to get into uh, in a little bit, potentially against the Florida Panthers in that first meeting where they held Florida to three shots on goal in the first period. I don't know if this is still the case, but I know at the time of that meeting, that was the lowest amount of shots on goal. The Panthers had recorded in an opening 20 minutes. So the Blackhawks can, can look like a great team at one moment. And then all of a sudden they can look like the bottom of the barrel in the next, the inability to put together a consistent 60 minute effort. I was just saying this on my show a couple days ago. I honest to God, don't know if they've put together a complete 60 minute game from start to finish. It seems like anytime they go up four to nothing, three to nothing, they allow the team to get right back in the game. So that's definitely something they're going to need to work on going through these rebuilding stages. Um, they just haven't found ways to kind of relax and take that deep breath when things aren't going their way and they let things spiral out of control and it's happened in the most embarrassing fashion in their last two games against Vegas and uh, Buffalo coming into this one. Mm -hmm. And um, and funny enough with uh, both those uh, games that you were talking about, both of them happen. Uh, one of them happens to be a road, um, what happened to be the, road game at Vegas. The other one was happened to be at home against Buffalo. And something I looked at right before um, recording is that the power play percentage for the Chicago Blackhawks is actually 4% better on the road than it is at home. Um, their rec overall record uh, is better. Goal differential doesn't tell the whole story, but minus 21 on the road versus minus 30 at home. So a little bit better. Uh, so, uh, and honestly, uh, they're scoring more goals with three less shots on goal per game on the road. So really really hard to put the the finger on like what's really getting the Blackhawks really energized on the road versus at, at home. I mean, I guess it's uh, I guess when you're coming to the rink every single day and it's like the consistent 
and not not getting the results you want but then you're together with your guys on the road you can't you can't really separate as much as you want on the road so i guess that's really what it i guess that's kind of like maybe part of it why they perform a little bit better on the road i I don't know if there's an exact answer to that yeah i don't really either this team is just about as random as you can get like i said sometimes they look great against the top teams in the league heck in the two of their last meetings against the colorado avalanche this came a couple months ago but they were right there in both of them and then go out and lose six to five to the lowly savers, blow a four, nothing lead. I can't really even say the lowly savers because they, they have the same amount of points as the Blackhawks do, but that's the boat we're in. I mean, each and every night it, it can be something different. And honestly, Armando, this game could be six to one Panthers or it could be four to three Panthers. And I wouldn't be surprised either way because that's how things go for the Chicago blacks Blackhawks this year. You just never know my friend. Mm-hmm, for sure. And we'll talk we'll talk more about the the game in the third segment and the future of both teams. Um, but in the next, and we're going to actually transition over to the next segment where Jack is going to uh, discuss, um, ask me some of the questions in relation to the Florida Panthers. But first, we're going to tell you all about Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four, and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports development, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. It's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Armando, I got a couple of questions for you, buddy, about the Florida Panthers obviously having basically the polar opposite season that the Chicago Blackhawks are only have 15 losses on the season, and I believe they only have two in regulation in the month of March. So things just keep on going here for this team. They're red hot, and they made a big-time couple of splashes at the trade deadline. I got to ask you about Claude Giroux and how that's been looking so far. I mean, maybe the biggest name that got dealt, not to be biased, aside from maybe Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, But, I mean, a ton of news about where Claude was going to go. There was a report like a couple of days before the trade actually became official that he was going to the Panthers. It was kind of a whole weird situation, but they wind up getting him. How much better do you think he makes this team, and where is he kind of slotting in the lineup right now and, and helping this team out? Right now he's on the right wing with uh, Alexander Barkov, and here's the awesome part about it: Barkov's left um, a left shot uh, center, while Claude Drew is um, a right shot center slash wing. So depending on which side the faceoff is taken, so you have both both guys who can do it on each end, and it's it's a luxury for it. And Claude Drew this year is having a career high in the in the in the dot at sixty one percent when his career average is. Uh, 55 um, right now five points in four games all of them um, coming through with assists and with Aaron Ekblad out um, right now the Florida Panthers are running a five forward power play unit I mean they scored in the first two games uh, Claude Drew uh, had a beautiful beautiful assist to Anthony Duclair on Saturday against Ottawa and he just ripped the one-timer but they haven't scored a power play goal since he hasn't gotten a goal but he had quite a, he's had quite a few chances and you kind of see how he sets the pace for 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 this team because Alexander Barkov has been looking for a friend on that right wing this whole season. They've even though Anthony Duclair is more than capable of being on that right side, 
he's better suited on that second line with Sam Bennett and Jonathan Huberdeau. Um, so you you don't have to be consistently shuffling Anthony Duclair on the top line and then going back to the second line and having a, a spot uh, a spot player in there. Sometimes it would have been like Maxim Mammon. Sometimes it would it was Mason Marchment. Other other times. So now they ha- there's that consistency there that that guy is going to be there. And in situations like Tuesday night where um, one of their bottom six centers goes out in Nolachari. Still no update on Nolachari, by the way, of his status after his injury on Tuesday against Montreal. So Flor- um, they had to shift some centers down to the other lines, and Claude Giroux um, shifted down. We saw a little bit of Sam Reinhart playing some center too, and Sam Bennett can play as well. So there's different flexibilities when it comes to positioning so that even when an injury happens, like what, what we had with uh, Nolachari just the other day, they can quickly make those adjustments. And even weird to say, uh, Ryan Lomberg was playing top six minutes on Tuesday of, of all people to play top six minutes. So uh, Andrew Burnett has really learned to put, um, to implement his own uh, stamp on, 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 on this team uh, just doing his own line combos. And sometimes whenever desperate situations ha- happen, uh, putting Barkoff and Huberto uh, together now, Barkoff, Huberto and Giroux, it, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just uh, an embarrassment of riches. What I like to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the next thing I was going to ask you about was after the moves that the Panthers made at the deadline. Do you feel like, aside from the goaltender position, we're gonna? I want to ask you about that in just a second as well. But in terms of forwards and defensemen, do you feel like they did everything you wanted to? In, in terms of getting ready for this playoff push in a very tough Eastern Conference, what what did you like? Was there anything you didn't like? And overall, like, were you happy with the way the, the Panthers went about things? Of course, Claude Drew is the biggest piece when it comes to uh, trades. But my mindset was always this whole time, get a defenseman that's at least top four. And Claude Drew was always going to be the bonus when it comes to when it comes to getting a trade. Never, I never really actually believed that it was going to happen until like a few days saying that Claude Drew is deciding Florida and Florida only. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a reality. And it, it was just like hard not to get excited. Of course, they got Ben Sherratt. They uh, they uh, traded a 2023 first for uh, Sherratt. Um, had, had a uh, had had it. Put a shot at the net, and then um, the other day against Montreal, and then Sam Bennett uh, cleaned it up right in front of the net. So created a good play on the other end, and kind of saw. Um, and there was a there there was a breakaway that Cole Caulfield had last week in their road game, and you just see Ben Sherratt just spinning his former teammate around, just stealing the puck. I'm like, okay. Some say some don't necessarily agree with the analytics uh, of Ben Sherratt, but of course. Uh, Sam Bennett and Brandon Montour didn't have the best analytics last year. And then when they went to new situations in Florida, uh, their, their play improved. And so, so that, that, um, that just uh, goes to show that it's not the end all be all when it comes to that, but uh, new situations can really help uh, uh, different people. And of course the LTIR space that they had for Aaron Ekblad's injury, they're able to get more defensive depth in Robert Haig, who's now on the third pairing. Um, now with Brandon Montour and was a part of that three-way trade uh, with um, Carolina and Columbus to bring Max Domi to Carolina and they got a six-round pick out of it so that Robert Haig trade was basically for free because they gave a six to Buffalo so they gained a six back in that three-way trade using their LTIR space for Aaron Ekblad so I can't complain about the Tampa Bay Lightning using LTIR anymore now <laughs> that my, uh, uh, my the team that I root for 
is benefiting from it. So I've, I've been a little humbled when it comes to LTIR. Yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And apparently in the GM meetings, none of the 32 teams had an issue with it. So it seems like it could be still a thing going forward. And hey, us Blackhawks fans can't complain about it either because Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, well, not true, but that, that was big. That was big. But mm. what I was going to say was Tampa Bay recently, uh, this past offseason, gave us Tyler Johnson and a second round pick for Brent Seabrook who's retired, yeah. they literally wanted his money to be on LTIR so they could make room financially. So, hey, we get a free second-round pick and a player out of it. Unfortunately, it's been a tough year for Tyler Johnson. He's been injury-plagued, played like 15 games all season long. But really, what we care about now in this rebuild is that second-round pick. So I'm okay with LTIR. The Blackhawks aren't competing anytime soon. We'll take advantage of teams who desperately need some financial wiggle room. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of the Panthers, I feel like I ask you about this every time uh, we get on the show, but I really do feel like it's the make or break portion of this Florida Panthers team. And that's in goal. And Sergei Bobrovsky, when you look at the wins and losses, I mean, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. The guy's 32, six and three. That That's amazing. But some of the numbers, I mean, 914 save percentage certainly isn't bad. 2.61, this is a high-scoring team that likes to play back-and-forth type of hockey, I feel like. But how are you feeling about Sergei Bobrovsky heading into, I mean, this has to feel like the Panthers' best chance. Like, they were great last year, don't get me wrong, but now with the pieces and the additions that they made, this certainly has to feel like their best chance of actually going out and winning the darn thing. So how do you feel about Sergei Bobrovsky being the guy going into that postseason? Because we all know if you don't get goaltending in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you don't stand a chance. Yeah. Um, Bobrovsky won't admit this publicly, but when Spencer Knight entered those last two games for the Panthers, he was probably pissed. Pissed at himself um, for for not playing so well. I mean, the Florida Panthers didn't do him any favors by – not staying out of the box against Tampa Bay and they capitalized quite a lot, a lot of times as that power play tends to do. Yeah. So um, Chris Drieger didn't play well neither last year. And then Spencer Knight was just the last guy standing. So he was pissed last year. Um, so he had, he went back to the drawing board. He went, went off social media. He, he's not on social media anymore. So he went back to to train and it's, it's resulted in this, uh, this uh, bounce back season. I mean, it, it helps, it helps that Spencer Knight hasn't had the best season. 904 save percentage, 2.94 goals against average up and down in the um, AHL this year. He's, he's had two shutouts in the AHL this year comes back on their Western uh, road trip. Uh, he gets a, his first shutout in Anaheim just a, a few weeks ago, shortly, um, shortly before the trade deadline. So there's confidence in that uh, goalie group for uh, the Panthers. And of course, um, Bobrovsky doesn't have the best uh, playoff record. Um, uh, even though goalie wins isn't really something that I try to refer to because it's inexact when it comes, it's just like pitcher wins in baseball and QB wins. Uh, but, but <laughs> tell me how it, you really feel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not a big uh, individual wins person. It's more like a team stat for me. That's really my mindset. But, that's why hockey's the best. Yeah. That's why. So I just think with the variables of, being able to score uh, is not going to put a lot of pressure on Bobrovsky, but games do slow down in the playoffs. There's going to be more low scoring games. Are the Panthers going to find a way to break through uh, when it's like two, two near the end of the third period. And then is Bobrovsky going to be able to make that stop? And it's been, it's been such a bounce back. It's been so night and day this season between the first two seasons that Bobrovsky has been under um the florida panthers i mean after this year he's gonna have four years left on that contract <laughs> so it 
if they win it, if they win it all, nobody's going to talk about that cap hit anymore for the Panthers. So uh, they have the team to do it. Um, Bobrovsky has come up big when needed. I mean, just Tuesday night, um, the Montreal Canadiens had 13 shots on goal in the first period. Um, one uh, one that he let through was on a, a breakaway by Montreal. And the Florida Panthers right in front of them, they only give up 11 shots on goal the rest of the way. I know it's the Canadians that we're talking about, but still, there have been times where the Florida Panthers have, haven't allowed many shots on goal going on the other end. And if his workload is lessened as well, due to the amazing possession <laughs> metrics that you look up any possession metrics for the Florida Panthers, they're one of the tops. They're tops in shots on goal as well in the in the NHL, along with goals per game. So that is a really big contributing factor in lessening his workload and not, um, not hopefully that not being a crutch. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the team in front of him is built to have him not get peppered all the time. And we've seen Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, I know it, it was probably a couple of years ago when he was considered one of the best goaltenders in the league. But if you give him this team in front of him, you got to feel like he's going to be able to refine that, refine that spark. Um, so, I mean, it should be interesting come Stanley cup playoff time, hopefully for a Panthers fan's sake, he, he's going to be the guy and you won't have to have that conversation about Spencer Knight coming in once again, because even though it has worked for some teams in the past, the Pittsburgh Penguins are one of those where they kind of still won the Stanley cup, despite bouncing between Matt Murray and Mark Andre Fleury. But I feel like you want to have that one guy set in stone yep. come postseason time. So it sounds like Bobrovsky for the most part has been able to do that. Yeah, and uh, right now, if game one were tomorrow, he's the guy uh, starting. Last year, uh, if you were to ask uh, if game one were tomorrow, it'd be a coin flip. So that's we we we've come a little bit uh, we've come pretty far since uh, last uh, playoffs, and um, we talk. Um, I discuss things about when it comes to the stages of a contender versus when it comes to tearing it down at the beginning versus being a contender. The Florida Panthers were in that second step of they're building toward the championship which is actually a great segue to our next segment where we are gonna talk about each team and their steps to building a championship contender so we're gonna discuss that all next on the locked on florida panthers podcast and locked on chicago blackhawks podcast continuing this conversation on the locked on florida panthers podcast and the locked on chicago blackhawks podcast i'm armando velez i got jack bushman here of locked on blackhawks so the four stages of rebuild of, of building a championship contender something that i talk about the teardown number two is figuring out the players you want to keep around or or build um or leave on the cusp is the third one and of course winning it all so the Florida Panthers, um, just last year, a few of let's actually rewind two years ago. They were in that Stanley Cup bubble, a, a, an 11th seed, um, going up against uh, the the New York Islanders, if I'm not mistaken. Um, um, lose three to one in that. Coach Q's first year, still trying to figure out those many pieces. They were in step two at that time, of their of their contention uh, of them trying to build a championship contender. Now for the Panthers, they are on that th three trying to break the four. That's where that's literally where the Florida Panthers are at because they made their moves in the trade deadline last year, but it wasn't there weren't pieces that were taking them over the top. Um, or at least I mean, could have been a different story had they beaten Tampa Bay, of course. But now these moves 
just this past trade deadline is even a bigger splash than the previous time. Of course, Sam Bennett and Brandon Montour were the big ones last year. Claude Drew and Ben Chirot are the big ones this year. So when it comes to the stages of the build of this team, they're on step number three, trying to just punch through a wall to get to number four. For the Chicago Blackhawks, though, um, it's weird because they tear it down. They make a splash and um, trying to get Seth Jones, extend them, get Marc-Andre Fleury, of course, trade him because the season didn't go as planned. You have expiring contracts next year of Tays and Kane. Would you say that this is the Chicago Blackhawks are in the? I would I, I would guess that they were in the second step of their build, but what what says you about where they are as far as the steps in building a team? Yeah, they're just kind of getting to that second level. I would say right now, once Kyle Davidson officially came in, he gave a big press conference about how listen. We rushed, we rushed through this process entirely too fast. He didn't, you know, say Stan Bowman by name or blame him, but that's essentially what he was talking about when, when he said, you know, this is going to take three to five years. It's going to be a process. We have to draft better. We have to evaluate talent better. We got to change the way we've gone about things these last few years because clearly it hasn't been working, right? The Blackhawks haven't won a, a real Stanley Cup playoff series since hoisting the Cup in 2015. Sure, they beat the Edmonton Oilers in that COVID postseason, but we're not going to count that. It shouldn't count. It doesn't count in most As a 12th seed, too. Yes, we were the last team in. The, well, the second last team in, the last team in was actually the Montreal Canadiens. That's the way it goes. <laughs> but... For the Blackhawks, they're definitely in that second stage right now where they're trying to figure out how are they going to piece this roster back together? Who do we want to keep moving forward? Who is expendable at this point? And it's really kind of an interesting mesh there because when you're thinking three to five years down the road, right, you got to kind of consider that even though some of your best players, you know, some of the best players that you have right now, they're going to be closing in on 30 years old when the Blackhawks are essentially trying to be competitive again, right? So really, no one is safe at this point. And I think that's what we saw in the Brandon Hagel trade, right? Like Brandon Hagel was a fan favorite here in Chicago, a guy who brought the energy night in and night out, did all of the little things well. We were just finally starting to see an uptick in production. But because we get such an enticing offer moving forward, you got to consider that because we're not thinking about right now. We're thinking three to five years down the road and how we're going to build this back better. So with Kyle Davidson doing that, it's the first time in a while where I've actually felt, okay, this is going to take a while. And I'm totally okay with that because the worst thing I think in professional sports is sitting in uh, purgatory, being in the middle, not good enough to win it, not bad enough to get a good draft pick. I think that's the worst thing to do in sports. I know it's tough, and as a, as a fan, you always want your team to be trying to win, but sometimes you got to look at the bigger picture and understand really what your odds are of making that run, right? And Stan Bowman Nashville. just – Yes, yes. Stan Bowman just could never look in the mirror, I feel like, and accept that this was going to be a process. I think he thought that his job – he was going to get canned before this whole thing played out, right? But now Kyle Davidson comes in. He's a fresh face, and he's going to be judged off this rebuild. So he actually has motivation to not rush this process, to do it the right way, to save his job four or five years down the road because if he doesn't do a good job, he's going to get the boot. 
I do feel confident, though, that he's going about this the right way. And we are starting to see some of the some of the players on this team, not exactly, you know, Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrink, and Dylan Strome have been carrying this team night in and night out. We know what those three provide at this point. The problem with the Blackhawks for the last few years is they haven't given them any supporting cast. They haven't given them any help at all. And now, based on the moves that Kyle Davidson has made, we're starting to see a couple of those, those type of players who, that's why I say we're just starting to get to that second stage evaluating the talent that we want to keep. We get Taylor Radish from the Tampa Bay Lightning as part of that Brandon Hagel trade. We knew he played his junior career with Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strome. He put up really good numbers there. Didn't really get much of an opportunity down in Tampa Bay. Comes to Chicago, and in his first six games, very small sample size, I understand that, he's looked phenomenal. Moved the puck well. He's been a part of the power play. He's chipped in for a couple goals already. He's making plays. He's a bigger guy who can throw his weight around a little bit and still provide a skill game. Those are the type of pieces that we need to start keeping on and adding to this lineup going forward. Another trade that Kyle Davidson himself made was trading Alex Nylander for Sam Lafferty, which at the time, I'm not going to lie to you, I was very disappointed with the return, mostly because we traded Henry Yokiharyu, a former first-round pick, for Alex Nylander a few years back, and then to essentially flip him for a, you know, a bottom-six grinder. You're going to be disappointed with that type of return. But Sam Lafferty, in two months, is a fan favorite here in Chicago already. I mean, the dude is eerily similar to Brandon Hagel as well, where uh, Hagel last year in his first year as a rookie brought all the energy, like I said, was doing all the little things well. He just couldn't find the back of the net. Sam Lafferty is in that exact same boat this season. Like, he's physical. He's getting into his opponent's faces. He's stepping up for his new teammates. And if he can have that uptick in production offensively, like we saw out of Hagel this year, we might have another very similar player on our hands. Now, it's still too early to tell for sure, but those are the type of pieces you have to be enticed about at this stage. So we are, you know, despite the Blackhawks, Ups and downs, roller coaster ride of a season. Literally every game feels like a roller coaster. Good first period, terrible second. That's just the way it goes. But despite that fact, I'm really intrigued with this patient approach, allowing some of the younger guys to get these opportunities, get bigger moments here in Chicago than they were, you know, in Tampa or in Pittsburgh, two very good teams right now. They can come into bigger situations and have larger roles. And I've liked what I've seen out of those guys in particular. So I don't have a problem with the Blackhawks being in this stage right now, right? It's going to cost them some wins, but we're not thinking about that right now. Again, we're thinking three to five years down the road. It's not the greatest spot to be in as a fan, but I'll tell you what, with Kyle Davidson leading the charge as general manager and not Stan Bowman, I think people are actually going to buy into what he's talking about and the moves that he's made so far. Not only can he talk the talk and he said all the right things, but he's done it based on his moves as well. So I think Blackhawks fans kind of think Kyle Davidson is a breath of fresh air. And uh, I'm excited about this whole process. I know there hasn't been much to be excited about as a Blackhawks fan for quite a while, um, but this is the first time where I'm really intrigued to see how this team is going to go about a rebuild. But getting into Florida, Armando, completely different situation. What I wanted to ask, two things. How are um, How is kind of the fan base, how, like, are people bought into the Florida Panthers in that area? I know it, it's tough you know, with, with hockey down in Florida and it's not Tampa Bay, it's a different situation, a different uh, city. I'm curious, like, are, are people excited about the Panthers? Like, is it getting a hockey feel down there or what, what's kind of the feel? Is it, you know, is it starting to ramp up at all? 
it's starting to ramp up definitely um there there's a difference between um of course twitter versus in person uh of course i'm i, I see it in my feed like literally all the time of be, being involved with this team but of course if you uh um drive around uh broward county you'll see spots uh spots uh florida panthers stuff around on license plates and flags and all that dade county the county south of it not so much uh it's gonna take a little it's gonna take winning for that county to buy in and me as a uh dade county native um it, the, the the south florida fan base in general is fair weather um there's a lot to do and uh in in that city and if they're not pr providing a consistent winning product um it's hard for for many people to buy in but of course that playoff series last year against the Tampa Bay Lightning and how thrilling it was, it created some new fans. And I'm an example. I am, am I am personally am an example of a of a Florida Panthers team making the playoffs and becoming a fan. Like 2012 was the year that I started buying into hockey in general. And that and let's not forget what early 2010s was in South Florida. That was the big three era of the Miami Heat, too, when they were at their peak. So so, so the Florida Panthers, and that was, but also that was a Florida Panthers team that was set to, um, they were set to tank uh, after drafting Jonathan Huberto in 2011. They, uh, that was when the divisions were, uh, even if you had a lower uh, record at that time in the Southeast division, you still get a top three seed. So that's what happened with the Panthers. But hey, it created a fan in someone uh, like me. So that's another thing. It created uh, their playoff run, even though they lost in the first round, they created some fans around and, and a little bit of a buzz. I mean, it helps that the Miami Heat are good uh, when it comes to, um, excuse me, doesn't help that the Miami Heat are good. So a lot of their games are going on at the same time. Um, so the the Heat have the culture there. They've had it for ever since, 19, ever since Pat Riley came in 1995. So when the Heat are consistently good, more people are obviously going to attract to it versus a team that hasn't won since 96. But it's slowly getting there. Um, they see the winning. They see they see the moves, that the, the commitment to wanting to win. They're building a new practice facility facility in downtown Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we don't know how the stadium situation is going to work. They their their last year of their current contract is 2028. So definitely a team that was been rumored in relocation just a few years ago now they're winning and now of course if you bring a championship to this region it it, it creates a better vibe of course in the in the region it, it's it it shuts down all those relocation rumors probably for many decades too and um yeah the 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 people are people are buying in uh and all it takes all it takes is winning a, a playoff series and you'll he probably hear it nonstop on the local news. It's, it's really hard to get, um, it's really hard to get local coverage of the, of the team um, on the, your local news. They will spend like 30 seconds on the Panthers and then move on to something else. And then it'll be the heat, of course. So of course, when it comes to culture, uh, when it comes to um, the heat culture there, I mean, I, I kind of understand too. Yeah. I, I really hope though it, it should be only a matter of time before it just keeps going because the Panthers are really set up for this to be a very competitive team for quite a while. And mm. I'm not even just saying, I was literally thinking about this before the broadcast. I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, of course, the host of lockdown Panthers, but I really want the Florida Panthers to win it all. Like I, I really do. It would be so big for the sport in that area. Right. I, and, and it's been of like, 
a fun outside process to watch something that gives you hope in a team like the Blackhawks who are in the rebuilding stages. Like you've seen the talent start to come come together. Originally it was, you know, uh, just Barkov and Huberto. Originally they've added a ton of pieces around them. Um, it seems like every time they make a trade from an, uh, an acquire piece from another team, he comes in and, and fits really well. Sam Bennett, Anthony Duclair, former Blackhawk, who I really wish Dan Bowman didn't quit on after 20 games It's for another day. But I really do hope the Florida Panthers, it would just be so good for the game, right? Like yeah. it would be so awesome. And I just think that that type of young team, they're going to be competitive for a while. And I think eventually that's going to start reciprocating in the area. I know you said it's already starting to happen a little bit, but when the playoff wins come and I think they're coming and I won't probably am not the only one. I know I'm not the only one. I think more and more people are going to buy in. So I hope that's a situation that unfolds in a little bit. Um, Hopefully not too long. Hopefully this year when the Panthers put together a pretty darn good run. Last question, Armando, I got for you is about the Florida Panthers playoff run in a very tough Eastern conference where we've seen a lot of flip flopping in divisions. I wanted to ask what is kind of your ideal first round matchup for the Florida Panthers, Washington. Why? Um, I just think when it comes to the balance of the lineup, of course you have Alex Ovechkin, Tom Wilson and all that, but everything, mostly the the lineup below that after Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Yoshi, it's uh, it's very questionable roster with their uh, bottom six um, as well. Um, and of course the goaltending situation um, in, in Washington as well, it's not as strong. It's not as strong as if the Panthers were to face, because there's going to be four Atlantic division teams who are going to make it. And right now the two through four are separated by a point or two. So uh, Washington is the team that I prefer to to see instead because Tampa Bay can easily go into the first wild card spot and you have a battle of Florida again in round one. So, I was, yeah, I was going to so, ask you about that too. Is like Tampa Bay, like the, uh, the worst nightmare you just want to not see at all costs. Or do you understand that if you want to, you got to beat the best, you got to beat the best, but if you could avoid them in round one, <laughs> and get ready and get that playoff win and gain your confidence then then it, it changes it changes everything versus starting off out of the gate so that's kind of why i don't it, it's it's likely going to happen again it, it, i'm i'm very i'm like i'm like 75 percent sure it's going to happen again so so it, it's just embrace it when it does come you got to beat the best but let them get that playoff series win first against a, a wild card team, a, a wild card team, and then, and then the mindset changes of the fan base, the team, po- uh, podcasters like myself, <laughs> and of course, uh, right now there's a six uh, point separation uh, with 16 games, so they're in the driver's seat. So I'm, um, so although they lost both games at home last year um, in the Battle of Florida. Uh, I have a better feeling that they won't drop uh, two of them uh, this time around. So we'll we'll see. So it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see how that Eastern conference shakes out. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited for it. And we're just a few weeks away, but Jack, I want to thank you once again for uh, joining me on this crossover edition of the locked on Florida Panthers podcast and the locked on Chicago Blackhawks podcast for my listeners. Tell them where they can find you online. 
Absolutely. You can find the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It's all 100% for free. If you want to check me out on Twitter, my personal account is at Jack underscore Bushman, too. You can find me posting a lot of angry tweets about the Chicago Blackhawks blowing massive leads uh, and probably a lot of golf stuff coming up because once the Blackhawks season is over in a month, it's all golf and playoff hockey for me, baby. Yep. And the Masters is just a uh, few weeks away. Uh, one week away. Yeah. One week away. Yep, one week away to be to be exact. And we'll, you'll see uh, both uh, Jack and I tweeting that if you happen to follow us on Twitter. But anyways, man, th- thank you so much. And uh, in- enjoy the game. On, enjoy the game. <laughs> on yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> so if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll be notified every single time. The Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to also subscribe to Lockdown NHL on the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. We'll be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen today. And for your second listen today, make sure you listen to today's episode of Lockdown Fantasy Hockey. Both Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy team. Follow Lockdown Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Sorry, Ramonda Velez with Jack Bushman. And you've been listening to Lockdown Florida Panthers Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.